we present The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Standards. Well, they affect all of us every day, wherever we go, whatever we do. By defining good practice, they help people, organisations, the economy and society to do things better. And every year, standards-making bodies around the world publish thousands of them for all sorts of things. For some of the big stuff that affects all of our lives, like the Net Zero Guidelines, an international standard that helps provide a common reference for governments and industry. And it's not just the big stuff, it's the small stuff too. There's a standard for pen caps, which reduces the risk of asphyxiation if pen caps are accidentally swallowed by children. Amazing, really. And then there's everything in between, from standards that help organizations to protect customer data, to guidance on the right way to use AI in medical devices even to the cables that charge our smartphones. In fact, for you to be able to listen to our voices right now, you may be using Wi-Fi. Well, that's all down to the IEEE 802 series, international standards. And standards like these are made by standards makers, tens of thousands of people from around the world who get together to agree good practice to the way things are made and done all helping to make our lives easier, safer, and more enjoyable. Hello, this is Matthew Childs, and this episode of The Standards Show is my conversation with one of those standards makers. In fact, an award-winning one, Martin Cottom, Chair of ISO Technical Committee 283, a former Group Technical Assurance and Quality Director at Lloyd's Register, one of the world's leading providers of professional services for engineering and technology. Martin has been making standards for 25 years. And these standards are in occupational health and safety management, which are helping organisations to provide healthier and safer workplaces. Standards such as ISO 45003 for psychological health and safety. I spoke to Martin at a recent BSI standards conference, where BSI brings together standards makers, policymakers, academics, students, and everyone and anyone really who is interested in discovering and debating about how standards are shaping our modern world. I asked Martin about why he is a standards maker, the impact it's had on his career, and also about his proudest standards making moments. But we began at the beginning. I started by asking him, how did he get started on his standards journey? Now, Martin, tell me how long have you been a standards maker? How long have you been doing this? And also, you know, when did your journey start? I think the answer, Matthew, is, is since 1998. So I guess we're around the 25-year mark. Um, I joined and got involved in standards work because it was relevant at that moment to my day job. Uh, I worked and uh, worked for 31 years in total for Lloyd's Register, uh, the Ship Classification Society, which at the time included the certification body LRQA. And I had just moved into a new position in LRQA, having been asked to develop 
a, an assessment and certification scheme for occupational health and safety management systems because those schemes just didn't, didn't exist around that time and many certifiers were finding that their clients who were familiar with that process for quality management and environmental management were asking the question where is the equivalent assessment process for our occupational health and safety management? And the problem was that whereas for quality and environment there were standards against which to do that assessment, that wasn't the case for OHS. We only had a British guidance standard and so that pre presented some challenges. And so it was suggested to me that it would be really interesting to get involved in the British Standards Committee for OHS which was where the discussions were taking place about whether there should be such a standard and whether in fact at international level there was the possibility of uh, the UK proposing that type of development. So that's how I got involved and as anybody you speak to about standards work will, will tell you, um, the entrance is easy to find and the exit from the world of standards is, is much more tricky to locate. As the Eagles say, you can check out but you can never leave, that's the thing Martin. I just wonder, you talked about some of the motivation there for getting started. Are, the, are your motivations for staying involved the same? Uh, completely different I would say Matthew, not least because my day job moved on and probably for the, the majority of the time I've worked in standards the direct relevance to my day job uh, had, had evaporated. I was fortunate to work of course for a, a, a safety organisation owned by a charitable foundation which recognised the value of, of, of my continued involvement and was happy to support that. But no, for me, the, the, the real reason I've stayed has been the sheer enjoyment of doing it and the learning opportunities that it's provided. And, and that's kind of in two ways. Learning more and more about the challenges and, and the, the, the whole world of OHS, um, so the technical discussions always bring out new perspectives when you're working with colleagues from, from uh, up to 100 countries There's always, or, and, and across a wide range of sectors. You can never have the experience that all those other colleagues bring to the discussion, so if you're curious there's always the opportunity to learn. But I think for me the second reason I stayed was I used to say to colleagues that when I was away doing standards activities that was my continuing professional development because certainly as a facilitator, as a chair of a committee, as a convener of working groups, the skills which you have to practice and develop to um, organise uh, groups of diverse people to come together and to reach consensus when constructing standards and, 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 and best practice guidance it is a skill which certainly in my career has been hugely valuable in the day job and the opportunity to practice it in the environment of standards has been hugely beneficial. You talk there about learning and development and you mentioned your career I want to ask you about that you know what what sort of impact has being a standards maker made to your career? I think it's, it's made an enormous difference because I can only put it down to the amount of practice that I've had in active listening to people potentially speak, often speaking of course not in their own native language but speaking in English and, and trying to help shape a discussion by understanding different people's perspectives and then suggesting to the group where there may be opportunities for where the common ground may lie and pulling out the issues that need further debate. And, and 
all of those skills, I think, have enabled me to do a lot of things in my day job, which without them I might well have struggled to do. Because it, it, I think it's no coincidence that those came to be recognised as some of the core skills I brought to the day job. And I don't think that happened by accident. I just wonder, Martin, given, given all your experience over the years now in working at Standards, there must have been a, two or three you know, really... Pick your proudest moment. What have you been most proud of in your standards-making career so far? That's quite a difficult question, Matthew, because kind of there are there are things which are very feel very personal, and then obviously my main role is to be an ambassador for and to help set the strategic direction for a committee of 130 plus people, and and. I think naturally, the, the committee achievements stand out in my mind. I think we were fortunate with our timing that ISO 45003 on psychological health and safety in the workplace was published uh, in 2021 in just as the, the world was grappling with the challenges and consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. And for many reasons of course that shone a spotlight onto issues which had been becoming ever more evident but but perhaps still not getting enough attention around workers uh, psychological health and well-being and, and I think the pandemic contributed to breaking down some of the taboos which meant that this suddenly became a perfectly legitimate and necessary topic of conversation and that something which organizations couldn't uh, ignore and it's been one of it's given me the greatest satisfaction I must say to see the quite prominent role which ISO 45003 has played in that awareness raising and in driving that agenda forward and I look at the many webinars seminars events that take place now that I see every week on LinkedIn and elsewhere citing ISO 45003 and the progress being that these are not events organised now by ISO itself or by national standards bodies like BSI. These are events organised by all sorts of other organisations who have found and, and, and recognised the value in that document. Now, Martin, as you know, uh, standards are made by people sitting around a table to discuss what good looks like. And we, we, we encourage people to become standards makers from all, all stages, all career stages and all ages, really, all backgrounds. I just wonder what you might say to someone who is thinking about getting involved. What, what would your advice be? I'd say go for it and don't be intimidated to put it off or think that you shouldn't be in the room and don't entertain any sense of uh, imposter syndrome which I think can can be a bit of a challenge perhaps at one's first couple of uh, standards meetings. Certainly in a well-run committee there should be every support to new members to contribute from the get-go and for other colleagues to recognise the value of the fresh perspectives uh, that, that new members c can bring and I would particularly emphasize that in respect of younger people. It's still sadly in some committees a case of looking around the room and, and being a little queasy about the average age of, of participants to which I, I, I make my own contribution in raising the number I have to say raising the average but I think it, it's really important for the success of standards that 
people of all ages and in particular younger people who are perhaps better able to represent the future users of our standards than the people who are reaching the end of a career and, and frankly perhaps have no longer great need for the standards themselves. So I'd really encourage people to get involved and, and to play their part in that constructive dialogue where younger people may bring a different perspective to older colleagues in the room about what is needed for the future. Um, we try very hard and I hope we almost invariably succeed in creating a respectful atmosphere in which all views are recognised as having value and certainly where that's not the case it needs to be called out. But I think, you know, by and large I would be confident in saying that there's a huge contribution that can be made and which will be very much appreciated by anybody who newly, for anybody who newly joins a committee. Just wonder, Martin, um, I asked you earlier there about some of your um, sort of proudest moments. I just wonder if there's any, any particular sort of single event that took place, or single moment in your standards career that you wanted to pick out. Well, I think perhaps just one, Matthew, which is relatively fresh in my mind because it's only within the last 12 months, and that was having the pleasure of representing the committee uh, and attending uh, ISO Week in uh, Abu Dhabi in 2022 to receive on behalf of the committee ISO's uh, prestigious Lawrence D. Iker Award granted to our committee, a sort of committee of the year award if you like, with a focus on leadership and innovation. We're a relatively young committee uh, compared to many, formed in 2018, often held up to comparison with much longer established committees which have got their act together over a much longer period of time and I'm thinking of course of the committees that are responsible for sister standards like ISO 9001 and, and 14001 and we're very much the new kids on the block. So it was, I, I felt it was hugely encouraging and a source of, of inspiration certainly to me but I hope to all my colleagues that we received that recognition just four or so years into our, six, five or six years into our existence of, of being recognised for, for high performance. Well, congratulations to you and the committee on that award. And also, thank you so much, Martin, for being a standards maker. Well, it's a real pleasure. And I think there's a few more years of, uh, of standards activity ahead of me to which I look forward, Matthew. So, if like Martin Cottam, you too want to build healthier, safer and more inclusive workplaces, or if you want to create smarter transport solutions or get to grips with AI governance, or maybe you really want to make a difference in the field of nuclear fusion or baby feeding products or maybe managing food waste, whatever your thing, get involved in standards. We welcome applicants from all fields, backgrounds and career stages. Our goal is a simple one, to have a balance of views around the table. So start that standards journey now. Visit bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. Details are in the show notes. And the show notes are also where you can find details of our socials and all of the other ways to get in touch with us here on The Standard Show. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Subscribe to The Standard Show now, wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.